Hi everyone, I hope you're all doing so well and welcome back to the Criminal Makeup Podcast. Each episode we dive into the minds of some of the worst criminals in history and today we're going to be talking about the case of Colleen Harris. So Colleen Harris was a 73 year old grandma and back in 2015 she went on trial for murder. And that is pretty shocking, isn't it? You just don't normally think of a 73-year-old grandma being a murderer. They're not exactly your typical murder suspect, are they? So of course, as soon as it hit the news that this 73-year-old grandma had murdered someone, it did become a little bit of a media sensation. Colleen was on trial for the murder of her 72-year-old husband, Bob, who she was accused of murdering after she discovered that Bob was having an affair. But in a shocking turn of events, it turns out that this was not the first time that Colleen had faced trial for the murder of one of her husbands. She was also charged with an eerily similar crime almost 30 years before this. Is that just a really weird coincidence or suspicious? That is what we're going to be talking about today, so let's dive in. So Colleen Harris was born on the 28th of March, 1942, making her an Aries. She was born in San Francisco and she had two siblings. And not much is known about Colleen's childhood. And I always like to look into the background, the childhood of the criminals in these stories, because I do think that it can shed some light into why they turn out the way they do and why they commit certain crimes. But for today's case, we don't really know too much, but we do know that after she graduated high school, she did enroll into nursing school in Montana. And she studied there for a few years. Don't really know much details about that other than the fact that she met her first husband when she was in Montana studying. And this was a man named Larry Dodge. He was also a student at Montana State University and that is how they met and the two of them hit it off straight away by the time they were 20 they were married and they were obviously both students at the Montana State University and following the end of their studies they both stayed and lived in Montana and over the next few years of them living in Montana they did go on to have three children and I don't know what Larry's job was but all I know is that they did actually travel quite a lot as a family they did move from state to state because of Larry's work. And let's just say, I don't know if it was the traveling, I, I don't know, but there was problems in the marriage. And they did start to appear more when they started to travel. So yeah, I don't know. Cracks started to appear. And Colleen actually accused Larry of having multiple affairs. She actually accused Larry of having 15 mistresses in seven years, which is which is a hell of a lot. And this did break up the marriage. And after Colleen left Larry, she did move back to Montana. However, when she arrived in Montana, she had no money and absolutely nowhere to live. Oh, and I forgot to mention that the kids stayed with Colleen. So Colleen and the three children moved back to Montana. The children didn't stay with Larry. So Colleen had to find somewhere to live for her and her children. So Colleen went out into the woods and she found an abandoned cabin. Don't know if this is just technically legal. Like, how do you know that it's abandoned? I Like, cause someone could still own that. But she went into the woods, she found an abandoned cabin and yeah, she kind of just claimed it as her own. I, I don't really know, but she stayed there. Her kids stayed there. And in order to put food on the table for the family, Colleen would hunt, she would get the food herself. And this is probably when you could say that she honed 
her shooting skills, which is a very important thing to note. She's good with guns. And it is said that at one point, Larry did come back to Colleen. He did try to reconcile the relationship. He wanted to have a fresh start, but Colleen was having none of it. And they clearly had an argument and Colleen ended up pointing the gun at Larry and threatened to shoot him. And during that argument, before Colleen threatened to shoot him, Colleen did accuse Larry of abusing the children. And that is about as much as I know. I don't know when the abuse took place. I don't know if he abused all three children. I don't even know if it's true. I don't know, but this is what she accused him of. So after the argument, after Colleen pointed a gun at Larry, threatened to kill him, they did end up getting a divorce. So now Larry leaves the story. We don't hear from Larry again. It was around the same time as the divorce that Colleen's mom died. Now she grew up in San Francisco and her mom owned a property in San Francisco and when her mom died Colleen inherited that property. So now she actually does own somewhere because she was still living in the abandoned cabin at this point. So Colleen now in her 30s moves her and her three children to go live in California. So when Colleen is back in California this is when she meets a man called Jim Batten. Now Jim ran a surveillance business and Colleen had hired him to do some surveying work whatever that is I don't actually know as soon as they met they fell head over heels in love with each other kind of very similar to husband number one Colleen seems to fall in love and fall in love hard very quickly and it wasn't long until Colleen and Jim got married Jim didn't have any children of his own and he took Colleen's children on as his own. He actually enjoyed having children around because he wanted children himself. And also Colleen started to work in the surveying business along with Jim. And I think this is also important to note, but the surveying business was pretty successful. It was doing very well. And it's said that Jim owned quite a few properties that were worth over a million dollars. However, just like her first marriage, problems soon arose. And I think one of the problems in their marriage is that Colleen always just seemed like a mystery. She never really spoke about her past. She kept that private. But what was the more suspicious thing out of that is that when she would talk about her past, her story was always different. She was just one of those people. And I think we all know one of these people. She was just one of these people that would tell a story that would just be so far-fetched that you would just be thinking, that's not true. Like one of the stories, she said that her ex-husband, i.e. Larry, was part of the mafia. And then the next story would be that Larry, her ex-husband, was stalking her. And Colleen just never seemed genuine. You just didn't know if what she was saying was true or not. But despite all of these problems and possible red flags that were coming up, their marriage continued. And they were actually together for... 10 years until everything fell apart. It's just said that they kept arguing, don't really know what about, probably just various things, probably just the same, problems resurfacing over and over again. And Jim just didn't want to be married to Colleen anymore. And he did ask for a divorce after 10 years of marriage. And this was around 1985 and Colleen was in her early 40s at this point. And then one evening, not too long after Jim had asked for a divorce, Colleen phoned her dad and she tells her dad that Jim has been shot. Now, naturally, Colleen's dad is like, okay, what happened? Who shot Jim? To which Colleen just responds with, 
I don't know. So her dad, obviously being naturally concerned for her, tells her to call the police, also call a lawyer. So Colleen uh, does the opposite of this. She decides to phone her lawyer first. So around 8.13 p.m. she phones her lawyer making sure that this was the first phone call that she made. Her lawyer was a man named David Weiner. So then after phoning her lawyer it takes her over an hour to phone the police. So eventually at 9.22 p.m. over an hour because if you remember it was 8.13 when she phoned her lawyer. 9.22 p.m. she phoned 911 to report that her husband had been shot. 911. So in the call, as you just heard, Colleen says that she thinks that she shot her husband. I mean, who else could it possibly be, Colleen? But she's not entirely sure. I mean, you got to start planting that defense early, haven't you? And then also in the 911 call, just later on, I don't actually have audio for this bit, but the 911 operator starts to press Colleen about details, asking her like, what the hell happened? Which Colleen just responds, he told me he was going to shoot me. The 911 operator, of course, is reassuring Colleen, telling her that the police, also an ambulance is on its way. But Colleen to the ambulance bit responds quite weirdly she just says i don't think an ambulance will be needed just going back to like calling the lawyer first is that normal like i don't know like maybe it is maybe it is normal to call your lawyer first and then the police but it looks suspicious doesn't it it's not a good look but what gets me and the most suspicious thing is that she was talking to her lawyer for over an hour and i just feel like if you're talking to your lawyer for over an hour over what is supposed to be either self-defense or an accident it wouldn't take an hour i mean it seems to me my opinion that she was trying to get her story straight with the lawyer before she phoned the police. So when the police arrive, Colleen answers the door to them. They ask her, like, where is Jim? to which she says that he's upstairs in the bedroom. So the officers head upstairs to the bedroom and they can still hear the TV. It was clearly just left on. When they walk into the bedroom, they do come across Jim Batten, who is just lying on the floor in between the bed and the window. And the bed was absolutely covered in blood. There was also a newspaper soaked in blood. I don't know if that's significant or not, but that's what is reported. So it seems like that the majority of the blood was on the bed. So it kind of seems like maybe he was shot in bed and then she moved him. I don't know, but there was just a hell of a lot of blood on the bed, which again, I think uh, is pretty significant that it was in bed. Let's just say that. So the paramedics at the scene obviously checked Jim for any signs of life, but very sadly, he was pronounced dead at the scene. So naturally the officers start to question Colleen because she's the only one at the scene. They wanna know what the hell happened. And Colleen just responds with, he said he was gonna kill me. He said he was gonna kill me. But Colleen also said, did I shoot him? I must have shot him. So Colleen, no surprise here, but she was arrested on suspicion of murder. The trial was around a year after the murder and Colleen went on trial for first degree murder. At the trial, David Weiner, who was the lawyer that she phoned, by the way, speaking to for over an hour, yeah, him. He was the one that represented her at trial. So the defense put forward that Jim Batten was sexually abusing Colleen's daughter and Colleen had only just found out about this. Like 
like just before shooting him. And also on the night of the shooting, Jim Batten was trying to force Colleen into performing sexual acts on him as well. And when he was trying to force her to perform these sexual acts, he was also holding her at gunpoint. Colleen described that on the night of her shooting Jim, she thought that she was going to die. And when she was being held at gunpoint, she does remember hearing the click of the gun. And then all of a sudden, like the next bit in Colleen's memory is a blur. She doesn't remember anything. And before she knew it, she was outside of the house on the phone to her father, telling him that Jim had been shot. Colleen testified that she was suffering from psychogenic amnesia, which basically forces the brain to shut down the memory system as a form of self-defense. However, the prosecution weren't having any of this. They said that this whole amnesia defense was very convenient. And the prosecution put forward that Colleen had murdered her husband, Jim, because he had asked for a divorce. But it's also reported that another motivating factor of why Colleen murdered Jim was because Colleen would inherit the surveying business that was Jim's. She would also inherit all of his property. And as we know, the business and the properties uh, were worth quite a lot. They were doing very well. However, despite the prosecution's arguments, the jury found Colleen not guilty of murder. So Colleen, after this, was just able to go on living her life as if nothing had happened. And she actually started to run the surveying business that was Jim's that she now has inherited. And then two years after her acquittal, she did meet another man called Bob Harris. And Bob would soon become Colleen's third husband. So Bob was born on the 3rd of February, 1940 in Oakland, California. And it's said that he did pretty well in school. He was very active. He did a lot of sports. And he was also a member of the Boy Scouts. So when Bob was 15 years old, he did go on vacation to Humboldt County in California. And it was on this vacation when Bob was just a teenager that he actually met Colleen for the first time. Now, I'm not sure if you remember because Colleen did move around quite a lot, but when she was younger, she did live in California. So the two of them met when they were teenagers. And after they met for the first time, they agreed to go on a date together. So the two of them after the vacation did go on one date. They they went to the movies, but nothing came of this. They just went on one date. That was it. They went their separate ways. Bob went on to marry another woman. He went on to have three kids. He got a job in the US Forest Service where he worked as a manager of Lake Tahoe. But after 25 years of Bob's marriage, it did end in divorce. And it was not long after Bob's divorce that he and Colleen ran into each other again. So one day they just randomly bumped into each other. Obviously they recognized each other. They started talking. One thing that led to another and they started dating which was 30 years after they first met as teenagers. Now it is said that pretty much within weeks of them re-meeting that they just fell in love like pretty much instantly and like I said this seems to be a pattern for Colleen. She meets somebody she falls in love very quickly. And Colleen starts to tell Bob like about her life, about her past, like what she's been doing since uh, they last met. And Colleen said that she's been married twice, but her last husband was abusive to her. And it was relatively soon after they started dating that Bob did introduce Colleen to his children. And it said that on their first meeting of Colleen and Bob's children, everything seemed to go pretty well. Like the children seemed to like her. 
everything went smoothly. However, uh, <laughs> that didn't exactly go to plan when she met Bob's mother. So Colleen went to a family dinner with Bob's family. So Bob was there, his children, and also Bob's mother. Um, Moms always know, okay? Moms always know. So when they were having dinner, they were obviously all sat down, they were all talking, Colleen's past came up, and Bob's mother, just being naturally curious, obviously, I mean, this woman is dating her son, she is gonna wanna know certain things, she asked Colleen, oh, what happened to your ex-husband? To which Colleen uh, replied, oh, he had heart problems and died. And the way that Colleen had answered this question, she just looked a little bit sheepish. And Bob's mother knew that something wasn't right. She just felt like Colleen wasn't being completely honest about that situation and her instincts were spot on. So following this family meal, Bob's mother <laughs> didn't let this situation drop. She decided to put on her little detective hat and she was like, I'm gonna find out what this woman is hiding. I'm gonna do some digging. But but this is the 80s. She couldn't exactly just pull out a phone, pull out a laptop and start typing away. So she went down to the library and clearly she went to like where they keep all like the old newspapers and stuff. She started digging away and this is when Bob's mother found out the truth. She found out that Colleen's husband had been shot and uh, Colleen was the one that went on trial for possibly murdering him. So as any parent would, she freaked out a bit. She was worried naturally she was concerned that, oh my God, even though Colleen has been acquitted of this murder, uh, doesn't mean that she didn't do it. However, she knows that her son is head over heels in love with her. And bringing up the topic of possibly Colleen being dangerous, it can just be a little bit difficult to approach those topics with some people. So she decides to go to Bob's son, Noah, for help. Bob and Noah were really close and she thought that this news, because I think at this point, Bob's mother didn't think that Bob knew about this. So she thought, oh, this news is gonna be better coming from Noah than me. So Noah goes over to to his dad's and he tells his dad what his grandmother has just found. He says like, dad, you won't believe what we found out about Colleen. That's not an exact quote, but I imagine it went something like that. But we found out that Colleen possibly murdered her last husband. And Noah didn't get the response that he thought. I think he thought just like the grandmother thought. I think they thought that Bob didn't know about this, but Bob responded, I know, I know all about this. We've talked about this. Helene's last husband was abusing her. Like, I know all of this. It's fine. And Bob basically just brushed this all off, said that everything would be fine. But Noah is still really concerned. He's like, uh, no, I think we need to like sit down and discuss this as a family, like let everybody know. But Bob was quite forceful. He was like, no, you need to drop this right now. I don't want to talk about it anymore. And he also made Noah promise not to tell his sister, so Bob's daughter, because Bob's daughter was a police officer. And he knew that if she found out, she would not be happy at all. So 
after this, Bob and Colleen actually go on to get married. And Bob's family, the ones that know anyway, just accept Bob's wishes. They don't bring up Colleen's uh, past. And then in 1995, Bob and Colleen have been married for five years at this point. Bob and Colleen have a family meal. Lots of things come out of family meal, don't they? So Bob's daughter starts talking about her work, about her police work, about criminal investigations and all the things that she's seen and stuff. And at some point in the conversation, Colleen just chimes in. Oh, guess what? I was once tried for murder, you know? And then Colleen, possibly because she likes to talk about herself, goes into the full story of her shooting her husband and how she blacked out. She didn't remember anything and she had woken up from blacking out to realize that her husband had been shot and that she was the one that did it. And as you can imagine, because everybody else at the table already knows this apart from Bob's daughter, you can imagine everyone is so uncomfortable at this point. But Bob's daughter is like, what the actual hell? And being a police officer, she deals with criminals on a daily basis. Um, not that police officers are human lie detectors, but I would say because it's their job, because they do experience people lying to them about crime, uh, she sees through Colleen's story. She's very skeptical of it. She just doesn't buy it. She just doesn't buy Colleen either. I'm not saying that that story couldn't be legitimate, but it's just Colleen. She's not genuine. The way she delivered the story, uh, it's just very fishy. It's just something's not right. And Bob's daughter was just as skeptical of Colleen from this point on, just like Noah, Bob's son is, and also Bob's mother. But realistically, there's nothing that Bob's daughter can do at this point. And yeah, she does nothing. Everything just goes on as normal and seven more years pass and nothing happens. So it's now 1997. Bob is now in his late fifties and he wants to retire. So he does. And to pass the time in his retirement, he does do various different projects. One that involved carrying out conservation work in Mongolia. Bob also owned a cabin in Lake Tahoe that he would often go to relax. And then in 2005, both Bob and Colleen are in their 60s now. Colleen says to Bob that she also wants to retire now. But Bob, uh, I don't think he's too keen on this idea because he says if Colleen retires, they won't be able to afford the repayments on their home. But Colleen comes up with a plan on how she can still retire, but they will also still be able to afford their lifestyle and the repayments on their home and everything. So Colleen realizes that if she is a single woman, she would actually be entitled to survivor's benefits, which is is a form of social security that Colleen was entitled to based on the fact that she was technically a widow. So after Colleen realized this, she goes to Bob and says that she has a plan on how she can get that money. And her plan is, is that they should get divorced because if they were divorced and she was single, she would be able to claim these benefits. Now listen, Colleen is 60, regardless of everything else that has gone on this story, she has a right to retire. Um, not that I agree with the way she's going to go about it. Now, Bob isn't too keen on this idea. He doesn't want to get divorced just so she can claim benefits. I mean, they weren't going to stay divorced. I probably should stress that her plan was to get divorced, claim the benefits. And then I don't know how those benefits work, but if there is some kind of like time limit, 
wait until that time limit is up and then get remarried. Bob is just not comfortable with this because obviously he doesn't want to get divorced. I think the thing that he is most uncomfortable about is that she is only entitled to these benefits because her husband died and she was accused of murdering him. Colleen is pretty persistent. She uh, convinces Bob that this is a good idea and she got what she wanted. The two of them got divorced. Colleen was able to claim her benefits and then a year later, they did get remarried. But it's said that after this happened, Bob's opinion of Colleen just completely changed. He saw a side of Colleen that he just didn't like. He didn't think that she was capable of this. He just didn't think that getting divorced for money was a good enough reason. And he just started to question her character, let's just say. And it's just said that in the years following this whole divorce remarry situation, that Bob's love for Colleen was just fading away. But they stay married. Uh, I don't know if they're still happily married at this point. I'm gonna say no. Another six years pass. So it's now 2012. Both Colleen and Bob are in their 70s. And Bob, because obviously his love for Colleen is fading away, he doesn't really like spending that much time with her anymore. So he's spending more and more time in Mongolia because he's still doing his various projects. He's still very involved with his conservation work in Mongolia. And whilst Bob is in Mongolia, he starts to form a close relationship with another woman. This woman did live in Mongolia. She was 34, so around half his age. And we don't really know much about this woman, like I don't know anything. And we only know her as Arza. And this close relationship did turn into Bob having an affair with this woman. And then in September of 2012, so so the same year, I don't actually know what months the affair started, but it did start in 2012. And then in September of 2012, Colleen found out about the affair. It was actually her son that found out about the affair first, and then it was her son that told her. So she didn't find out from Bob or anything. But after she found out about the affair, quite understandably, she was hurt. She was absolutely devastated. And she just didn't know what this meant. Like, she didn't know, like, does this mean that Bob is going to leave me for this other woman? Like, what is gonna happen now? However, when Colleen found out about the affair, Bob was in Mongolia. So it's not like she could confront him straight away. She had to wait for him to come back. So in order to try and process the situation, Colleen started texting Bob's daughter, the one that is a police officer, which I don't know why she did this. Seems a bit of a weird choice, but Colleen started to send multiple texts to Bob's daughter just saying how devastated she was, how hurt she was, and her mood was all over the place. One minute she was very angry, then she was confused, then she was sad, which to be honest, I don't think is uh, strange for a situation like this. I mean, when you find out that someone so close to you has betrayed you, your emotions are all over the place. But this is Bob's daughter that she is texting naturally when Colleen is showing her angry side she's going to be concerned about her father. She was probably more concerned than she would have been because of Colleen's history with her husbands. So Bob returns from Mongolia. He's obviously been notified that Colleen knows about his affair. So when he goes home, he does take his daughter with him, probably for moral support, but also maybe as 
a witness and a police officer, maybe. Who knows? The rose-tinted glasses have finally come off Bob and I think he's realized that Colleen could possibly be dangerous. So he goes to talk to Colleen and during this conversation, he says to Colleen that it's probably best if he moves out, let uh, the dust settle and he's gonna move out to his cabin in Lake Tahoe. He also raises the idea of possibly getting a divorce. And I don't know about any of you, but I'm just getting flashbacks now to the second husband because he also asked for a divorce. And it said that during this conversation, Colleen was actually pretty calm, which I don't know about any of you, but normally when people are calm in situations where they possibly shouldn't be calm, that's worrying because Colleen seemed to take this news pretty well that Bob was going to move out, go to the cabin. And she also took the news of a possible divorce pretty well as well. And she was even quite apologetic to Bob. She had a completely different tone in this conversation than what she had prior to Bob's daughter in text. Bob and his daughter leave. They head to the cabin in Lake Tahoe. When they got to the cabin, they realized that pretty much all of Bob's possessions were already there. All in boxes, all packed up. Basically, after Colleen found out about the affair, she got all of Bob's stuff, packed it up, put it in boxes, and then moved it to the cabin in Lake Tahoe. Now, when I was doing my research, a few of the sources about this particular point in the story, like literally just the point about her packing up Bob's things and moving it to the cabin, were making out as if this was kind of unreasonable. I, I don't, I struggle to see how her packing up his things and moving it to his cabin is unreasonable. I think they were trying to make her out to be a really bad person, which I'm not saying she's not, I'm not. But I think they were trying to make out that she was a really bad person for packing up his things and moving them to his cabin after she's found out that he has had an affair. I feel like that's kind of a normal response. I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's a pretty normal response. Like if you're in a relationship and you've been betrayed, um, you want to take some like time apart to kind of like refigure things out, um, possibly decide what you want in life. So Bob goes and stays in the cabin and everything kind of seems okay. And then it is November 2012 and Colleen is scheduled to have surgery. And Colleen asks Bob if he can move back into the house so he can help take care of her. Now Bob, even though they're living separately, he still feels a sense of loyalty to Colleen and he also feels bad because he has had a couple of surgeries in the past and she has helped him recover. And he just felt guilty because she had nobody else to look after her. So Bob agrees. He moves back into the house so he can look after her after her surgery. And let's just say when Bob's kids found out that he was gonna move back into the house, they weren't too happy. Bob moved back in the house, Colleen had a surgery, he helped look after her and I don't know, things just kind of went back to the way they used to be before they split up. And Bob and Bob's family and everything would spend a lot of time at Bob and Colleen's house. They spent the holidays in this house together. So after the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year, all of that, Bob is uh, starting to think about moving back into the cabin because Colleen has recovered now. He's helped her. He's still not happy. He still doesn't want to be with Colleen. But unfortunately, before he even had chance to move out, uh, something terrible happened. Bob and Colleen were just in their home. They were relaxing when Bob got a phone call. And Bob left the room to take the call. 
And this call, if you hadn't guessed, was the woman that he was seeing in Mongolia. Arza. And I don't know if Colleen overheard the conversation or just put two and two together, but she figured out that it was the other woman. And I think in Colleen's mind, she thought that they were almost back together because he'd moved in and everything seemed like it used to be. So the next day at around 5 p.m., a 911 call came into the sheriff's office and it was from Colleen's lawyer. And I just want to point out here that this is the exact same lawyer that represented Colleen in her first murder trial. I mean, he was pretty good the first time around, so why wouldn't you use him again? So this lawyer phoned up the sheriff's office and reported that there had been a shooting at Colleen and Bob's house. It's been a homicide. Okay, what happened? Yeah, I, I can't tell you. I'm, I'm an attorney. I'm a single female. Okay. What's so immediately after this call, obviously, deputies were dispatched to Colleen and Bob's home. When they arrived, Colleen answered the door to them. But Colleen is acting very confused. She's acting like she doesn't really know what's going on. So the police ask her, is anyone else in the home? To which Colleen replies, yeah, my husband. So then they ask her, is he okay? And Colleen responds with, no, he's dead. And then the police ask, how do you know he's dead? And she just says, come in and see for yourself. So when the police enter the home, they go up to the bedroom and they find Bob lying on the bed and there was blood everywhere. And Bob had suffered shotgun wounds to the head. And very sadly, Bob was pronounced dead at the scene. And this just sounds the exact same as the previous husband, doesn't it? Just the way that Colleen is acting, like confused, not knowing what's going on. It's just eerily similar. So following this, obviously the police take Colleen in to the police station for questioning. And it seems like in this very short space of time, Colleen's confusion has cleared up a little bit. The police start by asking her like, what happened? I think they realize that Colleen did this. They just wanna know how it escalated to this. So Colleen starts by telling the police about Bob's affair. And she told the police that she wasn't really upset about the affair. She could actually understand the affair. She said that she could understand why Bob would want to go with a younger woman because she was so old now. And she said that despite all of this, she still wanted to be with Bob because she still felt like they had a very good relationship, obviously, other than the affair. Uh, she still wanted to be with Bob. So the police ask her, like, what were the events of the night of the shooting? Like, what happened? And Colleen recalls that they were watching TV, relaxing together when Bob got a phone call from the woman that he was seeing in Mongolia. And then she said, after this phone call, her mind is blank. She doesn't remember anything after Bob had received that call. It seems like... It's like this quiet so the next thing that she remembers is the police arriving at her house so from the moment bob took that phone call from the woman that he was seeing in mongolia to the police arriving the next day colleen claims that she does not remember anything in that period. And this is the same defense that she used last time, which is a pattern. And because Colleen hasn't been able to tell the police anything, the police are trying to figure out based on evidence and everything, 
what the hell happened on that evening. So it was figured out that Bob was shot in the early hours of the morning on the 6th of January. So after they figured out this, they started to look at Colleen's cell phone records. And from those records, they figured out that at half seven in the morning, Colleen had made a 200 mile trip to San Francisco. And she had made this trip to a storage unit that was owned by her son in San Francisco. So it's like, okay, why are you making a 200 mile trip after you've uh, shot your husband? But also you're apparently blacked out at this point as well. How are you able to drive 200 miles? Well, it actually turned out that Colleen had gathered a few items, including the gun that she used, and also Bob's coin collection. And she wanted to put these items in her son's storage unit. So Bob had built up quite an extensive coin collection. And apparently he had so many coins that they filled up two storage boxes. And these coins were apparently pretty valuable. So just a little uh, side story, something that I just found interesting because this is the second case now that includes a coin collection. And I was just like, how valuable are these coins? Like. Like seriously, how valuable are these coins? Well, I went onto a coin collecting um, website. It was a British one. And it was just a website that uh, sold collectible coins and stuff and you could sell coins to them, blah, blah, blah. Well, the most expensive one I could find, there may have been more expensive ones on there, but there were so many coins, I couldn't go through all of them. The most expensive one I could find was 36,000 pounds for a coin. Some people have too much money on their hands. Most of them weren't that much. A lot of them were around the 10,000 pound mark, which is still, still pricey. So right now the police have figured out that Colleen has taken this 200 mile trip to put some valuables, some of Bob's valuables in a storage unit, along with the gun that she used. And they're thinking this one doesn't seem like an innocent person, but two, this does not seem like an innocent person that is blacked out. So the police do a little more digging and they find out that on Colleen's return trip from San Francisco, she'd actually broken down. I mean, what are the chances? And this forced Colleen to phone AAA. And there's actually a recording because when you phone AAA, any breakdown cover, when you call most things, your phone call is recorded. Thank you for calling AAA. May I have your name, please? Uh, Colleen Harris. Yes, Miss Harris, are you in a safe location? I just started swerving on the freeway. And then all of a sudden, I kind of did a complete flip, and then the car won't start. I'm off the of Highway 80. I can see a sign ahead of me that says, UC Davis, Sacramento. I live in Pleasanton, so I have no way to get home unless you know, I have the car. Okay. So, and I don't have anybody at home, so I'm just going to have to... Wait. So when the police hear this recorded phone call, Colleen is speaking very clearly. She's able to say her name, her address, her customer number, reference number or whatever. Uh, she's able to say that very coherently, not like someone who is blacked out, confused, or doesn't know what's going on. And then the final straw for the police was that Colleen returned home after her little trip to San Francisco at around 5 p.m. on the evening. I just want to point out here that uh, this is quite a while after she killed Bob. So instead of calling the police, who does she call? Um, her lawyer, good old David Weiner, who was the lawyer that represented her. 
in her first murder trial. So after she phoned her lawyer, he did go over to Colleen's house. He was very careful to stay outside of the property so he wouldn't enter the crime scene. I mean, clearly this is some kind of gray area loophole on how he was able to get away with talking to Colleen before she uh, spoke to the police. And she spoke to her lawyer for 90 minutes. 90, nine, zero, 90 minutes. 90 minutes is a very long time. Kind of seems like enough time to get one story together, huh? So after the lawyer was coaching, sorry, talking to Colleen for 90 minutes, he did return to his office and this is when he finally phoned the police. And at this point, when the police are finally notified of the shooting, this is at least 10 hours after Bob had been shot. So because of all of this, the police decide that uh, Colleen probably wasn't in a mental fog and they do arrest her and charge her with first degree murder. So then Colleen goes to trial for murdering her husband. Again, 30 years later. I don't know if this is important. I mean, maybe it is, maybe it's a good look charm, but she dresses in quite a similar way to the first trial as well. So Colleen gives her defense to the crime and all of a sudden she actually can remember what happened now. And Colleen now remembers shooting Bob, but she claims that it was an accident. Colleen had said that during the night, which was the night of the shooting, she had noticed that Bob was sleeping with a shotgun and Colleen became concerned with Bob's safety. Clearly she thought that he could use that on himself. So Colleen tried to pick up the gun. Clearly Bob was woken up by this and then they kind of wrestled with the gun, like trying to get it off each other. Um, and it accidentally went off. And this is how Bob was shot and killed. And it was at this point that Colleen then blacked out and she woke up to find that Bob was dead. And this is when she decided, I don't know why this would be your first thought, but uh, clearly it was for Colleen. She then wanted to take Bob's coin collection to the storage unit in San Francisco so she could keep it safe for Bob because she knew how much the coin collection meant to him. It's like, what did she think was going to happen to the coin collection? Why did she think uh, taking it to San Francisco would uh, keep it safe for him? I mean, it kind of seems to me that she wanted to remove that coin collection from the house, put it in the storage unit. She was hoping that she would get off with murder again, and then she would go and get that coin collection when she was released and uh, use it to... Uh, start over again. But the prosecution presented overwhelming evidence that Bob was actually asleep when he got shot. And this is because of the way the bullet had entered into his head. There is just no way that the bullet would have entered Bob's head the way it did if they were actually wrestling with the gun and then it went off. Colleen also had a bruise on her chest that was consistent with the gun kickback. Also, she had like a little cut injury to her finger that matched the trigger. The prosecution also brought Colleen's journal into evidence as well. And there were multiple entries from the moment that she found out about the affair that Bob was having to the day before the murder. And Colleen wrote about all her thoughts and emotions about the affair, how she felt like she was dying inside, how she was devastated. And she also wrote the day before the shooting that she was going to confront Bob about their marriage and about the affair and everything. Now, if you take these journal entries in isolation, 
There's nothing sinister about them at all. You can clearly see by the journal entries that it is somebody that is suffering, that is hurt, which is quite understandable when someone has been betrayed in a relationship. They are going through so many different emotions. But when you take those journal entries and you think about all of the other things that she has done just in the shooting of Bob, but then also because she did do this before with another husband, to me, this is just my opinion want to make that clear but it just kind of seems like she was almost leaving the breadcrumbs for her defense because the journal entries do show how her mental state is deteriorating i just feel like she's done this before this is not her first rodeo okay and i feel like she was just trying to make it as easy as possible for her to get off with murder again but that's just my opinion anyway regardless with all of the evidence that they had an accidental shooting just wasn't possible the prosecution believed that the real story is that Colleen killed Bob because she was in a jealous rage after she realized that Bob was still speaking to the woman in Mongolia. So the jury, after hearing both sides of the story, after only two hours of deliberating, found Colleen guilty of first-degree murder. Colleen received a prison sentence of 50 years to life, and because she was 73 at the time of sentencing, she will spend the rest of her life in prison. So I think I've made my stance and my opinion pretty clear throughout this case. But just in case if I didn't, I do believe she murdered both husbands. I mean, you'll have to let me know what you think, but I personally think that her defense of amnesia is a load of crap. I think she wanted to kill both husbands and she did kill both husbands. I mean, obviously with the murder, I shouldn't really say murder because she was technically acquitted of that murder. So let's just say the shooting of Jim, there were allegations of sexual abuse of Colleen's daughter and he also may have been sexually abusing Colleen as well. So in that instance, if those allegations are true, you can understand maybe why she shot him. But with Bob, yeah, there's no real understanding of why she shot him. I know he was having an affair, but that is no reason to shoot someone. It's just the fact as well that both cases are eerily similar. They are so similar in their circumstances. They are so similar in how she killed them as well. And just the fact that she used the same defense as well, that she blacked out and she had amnesia and she couldn't remember anything. And of course, I'm not saying that that can't happen. Of course, people can suffer from amnesia. I'm not saying that. But as far as I'm aware, Colleen was never diagnosed with anything that could possibly explain why she did suffer amnesia only twice in her life, 30 years apart, and it just so happened to be when she killed her husband. And even though I do think Colleen murdered both husbands, and I do think both murders were premeditated, I don't think she is someone that gets off on murdering people. I don't think she wanted to murder people. Uh, I think she just has real issues of abandonment. And both husbands asked for a divorce and they both ended up dead. And I don't think that that is a coincidence. She clearly has issues of abandonment that could have come from her childhood. We don't know though, because we don't know much about her childhood. So that is my opinion. She did intend to kill both husbands. They were premeditated and it was driven by fear of abandonment. Also as well, I didn't really think about this until now, she could actually be money motivated because Jim, she was set to inherit his very successful surveying business, which obviously she did inherit. And then Bob had his coin collection. Um, and I think he had a decent amount of money as well that she would probably inherit. But at the end of the day, there is no excuse. I'm not trying to give her an excuse. I just try and figure out why somebody did what they did. Uh, she took two lives and she took two people away from their families and that is never okay. 
So that brings us to the end of this episode. There are no updates for this case. So thank you so much everyone for listening today. Subscribe or follow to make sure you never miss an episode of The Criminal Makeup. And I would really love it if you could leave a review of the podcast. In the meantime, if you've been affected by any of the themes in this episode, please take the time to look at the description for this episode for some helpful resources. Special thanks to my producers at Audio Boom Studios and I'll see you all in the next one. Thank you.